So let's talk about last week a little bit. Testimonies. How many were just um, blown away by testimonies? Can't. Come on. Finley. Man. If you're having a dry day and you're a little not on fire for God, sit down with Finley. He'll fix that for you. Yeah. And Keith and Patty, if your faith is wavering a little bit, yeah, have a conversation with them. That'll be fixed. God is good. Can you say that? God is good. God is good no matter what's going on in your life, good or bad. God remains the same. Amen? Well, we have a couple testimonies from service last week. Would you like to hear them? Um, Ken Hill's not here this morning, so I wanted to chat with him. But um, during worship, I noticed that there's a couple men praying for him, and I went and whispered into Pat's ear, what's going on? And he's pray- he needed prayer for his back. And I went... I didn't tell anybody, but I, I think Eric was the only one that knew. My back was really hurting last week. I had heard it the Monday before. And I said, I think I'm supposed to pray for him. And so the guys continued, and I prayed along with them. And then I, I said, asked him to check it. And I said, do something that would cause you pain. Move around or whatever. And, um, you know, he's ginger, gingerly just twisting or whatever. And then all of a sudden he's like, it feels a little better. And I said, well, walk, just walk. And every step that you take, know that it's going to be healed. So he walked over to Mr. Engberg and placed his hands on his shoulders. And I walked over to him. I said, how is it? And he goes, much better. It's much better. And I just placed my hand on his shoulder and I just said, more Lord. And when I said more Lord, he went in through his head and he just went, whoa. And I went, what? And he said, I just felt heat go in my head and down through my body. And he goes, what the heck was that? And I said, that's what it feels like when heaven invades earth. God just came down. And whatever God did, that's between him and Ken, but his back got healed. Nobody prayed for me and my back got healed. And I'm still doing great. Um, Noah, little baby Noah, had a botched circumcis- circumcision. And through prayer, Kim was praying. That we, we were A lot of us were praying for him. And just a fleeting thought came to Kim's head that said, you should pray for that too. And so she just prayed, and we went home. And later that day, I get a text. This is hours, because he was sleeping when... They got home, and she let him sleep, and she went to change his diaper. His botch circumcision, which the hole was, so, was closing up from the scar tissue to the point where they were going to have to do surgery, redo the circumcision, because he couldn't eliminate. It was starting to close up. She got home. All that scar tissue had, was peeling off, and it's as if God re- he, he restored him back to an uncircumcised state. Wow is right. 
So little baby Noah is now uncircumcised, completely healed, and does not have to go back to a specialist and have surgery again. So can you say yay, God? Yeah. That's a creative miracle right there. Because the circumcision is a change in, you know. I don't need to go into detail. I don't need to go into detail. So those are the two that I know of. I don't know. Um, again, we have the testimony um, page on our website. If more testimonies come out of um, any service, please go on there and let us know because we need to know. It builds our faith too. Okay? Amen? Amen. Whew. So last week, I was just blown up. It was such a... I, I was so excited. I felt the service was just amazing. Maybe because I've been in children's church for so long and haven't been with all of you. And um, just to worship um, a, a full set with Isaac leading was, was um, just a real special time for me. And uh, I was just lit up, just lit up. God just poured love in and through me, and I was just real excited. And as I was leaving church, I heard whispered in my ear, in the scriptures, Matthew eleven six. I heard whispered, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. And I was like, hmm. First, check yourself. <laughs> but I thought, wow, wonder why that popped into my head. So I just started pondering that all last week, thinking about it, thinking about blessed is he who does not take offense with me. This is Jesus speaking. So that scripture led me to John the Baptist because, well, we'll get to that in a minute. So John the Baptist, well, the scripture, Jesus says to two of John's disciples, go and report, and he tells them all these things, and the very last thing he says is, and blessed is he who does not take offense at me. So I thought, okay, John the Baptist. Here's John the Baptist, whose birth was prophesied some 700 years earlier by Isaiah. He was the son to um, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were well beyond the years of uh, child-bearing children. And an angel, you know the story, came and said, you will... Your wife will be with child. John the Baptist was a forerunner to Jesus. He was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was a priest and rabbi who had disciples of his own. He practiced baptism for spiritual purification. He revealed how to live a committed lifestyle. He lived separated a separated life in pursuit of holiness. He lived in the wilderness, right? 
He was promised to God through a Nazarite vow. That means that he would not eat or drink anything that was unpure. He was dedicated to the service of God. He drew large crowds. Lots came to him to be baptized. He silenced the critics. He confronted sinful practices of the day. He preached repentance. We know he baptized. He proclaimed the coming of the Messiah. And he baptized Jesus. And this was the response from Jesus to John the Baptist when John sent his disciples to ask if he was the expected one as John sat in prison. And blessed is he who does not take offense at me. I'm sure that that wasn't the response John was looking for. But Jesus' response was crucial. His response was crucial instructions and even encouragement for John and even us today. Blessed is he who does not take offense. John the Baptist, who was birth, like I said, was prophesied by Isaiah, whose birth was announced by Gabriel the angel to his fathers, to his father, who was given instructions on how to raise him. Yet when he fulfilled all that was prophesied and he was faithful to his calling, he found himself sitting in jail. And wondering, are you the expected one? Are you the one we're waiting for? In Luke seven twenty two and 23, it says, And he, Jesus, answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, The lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Now, to you and I, that may look like a roundabout answer to John's question, but I believe John understood exactly what Jesus was saying. John knew of the prophecies of the coming one, and he knew all the signs. He knew all the signs that would follow. And unlike the Pharisees who missed the signs, John did not. And even though he sat in prison, Jesus answered, settled it for John. Jesus was the Messiah. His assignment was complete and without compromise. Now, I'm sure Jesus' answer 
brought comfort and assurance and courage to John to stay the course. Don't mess it up now because you're sitting in prison. Don't blow it. Don't get offended because you're in jail. Remember, John was filled with the Holy Spirit from the time that he was in his mother's womb. And I believe, and this is just me, but I believe that there was a constant dialogue between John and the Holy Spirit. And when things didn't look the way that he thought they should, the Holy Spirit would whisper in his ear, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. The last thing we have about John the Baptist from his mouth is a discussion with his disciples about Jesus. And I'm going to skip down. But there arose a discussion on the part of John's disciples. And they came to John and they said, Rabbi, he who is with you and beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he's baptizing. And all are coming to him now. And John said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves are my witness that I said, I am not the Christ. But I have been sent ahead of him. Bless you. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly. Because of the bridegroom's voice. Wow. And he goes on to say, So this joy of mine has been made full. He must increase and I must decrease. I believe John understood What was going to happen? This, the verse that says, He must increase, but I must decrease, I think is beautiful. It's a beautiful picture about how we are to be transformed more into the likeness of Jesus. I must decrease so that He can increase in me, right? To be Christ like. To be filled with the Holy Spirit overflowing. Come on, John the Baptist was overflowing. Fill me up, Lord. Fill me up. Squeeze out all those impurities until 
what is left is a Christ-like image. John understood. He fulfilled, he was prophesied, he fulfilled his assignment, and he said he must increase and I must decrease. He understood that the old has passed or will pass, that's John, and the new has begun, that's Jesus. John didn't become offended. I'm sitting in jail here. Can you help a brother out? Never even entered his head, as far as we know. But I believe because he was so fixed, like Flint, he knew all the days of his life, God had been faithful. He wasn't going to waver at the last moment. He chose to believe in the one true God. And as scripture says, having his joy being made full. So Jesus' instructions to John are the same for us today. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Who doesn't take offense at me when things don't happen the way you think they should. When healing doesn't come as quickly as you think it should. When our loved ones are still lost. When suffering continues and seems endless. When we lose our job. When we're abused. When you fill in the blank. All of these things can become our personal, our own personal prisons. And unless we heed the word of the Lord and not take offense, we'll remain in that prison. Jesus came to set the captives free. Amen? Amen. Are captives in prison? I don't think so. Who holds the key to a prison sometimes? We want to blame everything on the enemy. Sometimes it's us, right? We have to use what we know is truth, and that's the word of God, and believe and pray. Same thing John the Baptist did. He might not have had a Bible, but he knew. He knew the prophecies And he knew the word that was left behind. We don't know much about after John the Baptist was born. Other than he lived out in the wilderness eating locusts and wearing funky clothes. Probably a pretty amazing sight to see. Probably would scare us all. But I believe that time in the wilderness was spent John the Baptist and the Holy Spirit. So his reality was heaven on earth because his reality was more real than what he was 
eating and breathing. He knew something. He understood something. We cannot allow our circumstances and our experience to trump the truth, the word of God. Say that out loud with me. We cannot allow our circumstance and experience to trump the word of God. Which is more true, our experience or the word of God? No matter what we're going through, which is more true, our experience and our situation, our circumstance, or the word of God? The word of God. We have to choose. And this is what the Lord gives us as a choice. We have to choose to rise above our circumstance, our experience, and remain faithful to the word of God, knowing his word is greater and more powerful than our circumstance. It's a choice. Scripture says, choose, for, choose this day, blessing or curse. Choose the word of God or choose your own word. When we choose God and stand on his word, he will never, never disappoint us. We have to know the word of God. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 11 through 13 says, For I know, it's the Lord speaking, and he's speaking to you, every one of you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity, plans for good, not welfare like we know it, okay? But not, <laughs> not calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then, I love this part. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So like I told you, as people were healed last week and just it was such a cool service and others shared amazing testimonies of God's love and generosity like I said I heard this whispered in my ear and blessed is he who does not take offense at me whether we've taken offense with God or people right Because who are we? Made in his image. We're to be Christ-like. So who's he talking to? He's not just saying just me, Jesus.
when we take offense. It's contrary to his word because he just told us not to. It's something we have to deal with right away. Because if we don't, a root sets in. And that opens up a whole nother. Bunch of junk, to be honest with you, <laughs> for lack of better terms. We're to keep short accounts, right? Yeah. The Lord wanted me to share just about Matthew eighteen twenty three through 35. And if you know that, that's the story of the wicked servant who was forgiven much, who owed much. We owed much, right? If Jesus didn't pay for our sins, boy, did I'm telling you, if he didn't pay for my sins, I owed a lot. But he paid for me. This wicked servant was forgiven much. He begged him, please forgive me. Mercy was extended, grace given, debt canceled. It's a picture of the servant is us. His Lord, it says, is a picture of God. But then the servant who's forgiven much goes to the person that he's offended with, who owes him, who hasn't paid him back. And he threatens him. And tells him, you need to pay me back now. Right now. This is the one who was just forgiven much. And now he wants to be repaid by the person that owes him. And this is what happens. Scripture says, and his Lord, when he found out, his Lord, when he found out that this servant that he had just forgiven was just going, had just gone and done the complete opposite, it says, and his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers. Did you ever see that part? His Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. And then this part, my heavenly father will do the same to you if each of you does not forgive his brother from his heart. See, a lot of times we want to blame the enemy for messing with us. Oh, I'm having, you know, this is going on and the enemy's really attacking me and the enemy's really doing this. My question would be, who are you offended with? Who have you, do you have any unforgiveness? Because you, my friend, our Heavenly Father doesn't want to, but his instructions are very clear. And he means business. He does love us more than we can ever imagine. 
but he means business when he, in his word. When he tells us to do something, he means business. So by his own, own choice and unforgiveness or offense, the servant was turned over to his, to his torturers by his choice I know this because I've, I've done this. It's his choice. It's our choice. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. Because our offense, why does he tell us this? Because our offense separates us from him. Come on. Same with un- unforgiveness. And many of our circumstances and situations we are in is because we hold on to these things because we want to punish them. And all we've done is locked the door, thrown away the key to our own little prison. Because the person we think we're holding in prison is out wandering around God will deal with him. But we have to deal with our own stuff first. Amen? The end of the Lord's Prayer says, For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. I put yo instead of you. (laughs) But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. The Message Bible says, I don't know, is it a Bible? The Message Word says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without forgiving others. You can't get forgiveness from God without forgiving others. And if you refuse to do your part, You cut yourself off from God's part. That's the message. The New Living says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your Heavenly Father will forgive forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. (sighs) Jesus is always the solution. Always has been and always will be. There is no compromise. That's why I love what the Lord is showing me with John the Baptist. John the Baptist. No compromise. He lived his life in the wilderness for 30 years, separated from everything else to purif- keep himself pure, to purify himself. Forerunner to Jesus, he knew what his assignment was wasn't going to fail. Ends up in prison. Why did he end up in prison? Because he spoke the truth, even though somebody didn't want to hear it. King Herod didn't want to hear, you shouldn't be messing with your brother's wife. Shouldn't be marrying your brother's wife. And he said it to him more than once in his face quite authority, it says, you know, with some good authority. 
He wasn't afraid because he spent time with the king and he knew who he was and whose authority he spoke in. Blessed is he who does not take offense with me. So today, I'm going to ask everybody to stand. Isaac, thanks, buddy. I just want to ask, how are things going in your life? How's your job? How's your health? How's your relationships? I want you to close your eyes. We serve an amazing, wonderful, loving God. But he will not be mocked. And he will not allow... the sacrifice of his son to be for nothing. But his word says that his mercies are fresh and new every single day. So I want to ask you, ask the Holy Spirit you feel that you're in prison do I have an offense against you Lord do I have an offense against anyone am I holding on to something that I need to let go do I have unforgiveness in my heart 
We can't receive grace and be the punisher at the same time. We have to choose. We can't receive grace for our sins, but yet want to punish family, friends, co-workers, people in general for their offenses that they've taken against us. We have to choose. Blessing or curse? Let's just pray. And ask the Lord. I believe that word was spoken to me. Because some got healed last week. Or some heard a testimony. And in your heart, you doubt or you wonder why it hasn't happened for me. So an offense sets in. And then you start believing a lie. So, Father, I ask right now that you would expose and reveal offenses and unforgiveness in our heart. That you would expose lies that we've come to believe over your truth. It takes courage to come to the altar. But I'm telling you what, the altar is where I spend most of my time. Because like the song Isaac sang, he provides the fire. I want to be the willing sacrifice. If God has shown you, if the Holy Spirit has shown you something, encourage you to come to the altar and make a choice to leave it here today.